Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am Scott, and I'm happy to welcome to the show returning champion, legendary guest, man, a uh, renaissance man, I guess would be the appropriate term. And that is Dean. Dean, welcome back to the Stuff We Love Podcast. Thank you, Scott. You know, as a renaissance man, I have to admit, I've never been to a renaissance fair. Neither have I. Okay, neither have I, but I've been to a Lord of the Rings convention. Is that similar? I went to medieval times in New Jersey. <laughs> I'm not sure either of those so. are similar, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be back. It's uh, yeah. it's going to be a fun show and fun time ta- catching up with you again. Absolutely. Now, our listeners know that you are one of the hosts of Butter and Bacon, the Good Stuff of Disney podcast, and a travel agent with Adventures Out There Travel. So we rely on you for Disney expertise, universal expertise, and all things theme parks. So hey, um, we, we, we can also book your cruises and all your other trips too, Scott. You know, we uh we are a, a multi-talented agency. And uh as as we like to rip off from another agency, uh Disney pays us, not you. <laughs> that is true. And I've used your services many times. So why don't we just get the plug <laughs> from the start? And I'll I'll say that I use adventures out there travel frequently for my uh my vacations, and you're always a pleasure to work with, and everything is taken care of seamlessly so so thank you for that and i encourage all of our listeners to use you for their theme park trips well thank you very much uh, but today is not about shilling for an agency it is about uh talking about the stuff we love the stuff we love with a little bit of butter and bacon mixed mixed in there let's call it the good stuff we love the good stuff we love and you know going into tonight's episode dean and i were talking about what the topics could be because we're now right in the thick of the holiday season. There's not a ton of theme park news going on from what I can tell. But if you're a fan of this stuff like we are, there's always things to chat about. And we'll throw in a little bit of pop culture as well into our conversation. So, Dean, I wanted to begin the conversation tonight with a very intense hot take by me. And I just want to I figure what we do is we throw back and forth theme park topics. OK. All right. Here's my hot take. I was thinking a lot about this. I like Disney Springs more than Animal Kingdom. Wow. Well, I I could build a pros and cons list there. Number one, Disney Springs. No admission fee required. You can get into Disney Springs for free. You you can do a lot of the springs and not take your wallet out. Um, Disney Springs has Boathouse. It and does. Gideon's, it does. Here's a here's a question for you. All, all jokes aside, um, when you take a, a trip to to Walt Disney World, particularly one that's a little bit longer, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think most folks, if they're there five days or less, very focused on theme parks. But when you get there for a week or more, you usually have that day where you're like, don't want to get up early in the morning, and you want to do something alternative. And, and some folks fill that day with disney springs Mm -hmm. so think about your typical day as a veteran park goer if you rope drop animal kingdom and a day where you start out at disney springs Mm -hmm. which one do you stay at longer well that's a great question i will tell you traditionally my animal kingdom days have been very short the longest I would stay at Animal Kingdom consecutively may be when they had the after hours events and I would be there for mm. 
three plus hours, because then you'd be going on flight of passage three times, river journey, maybe twice, getting the ice cream, getting the popcorn and so forth. If I was at Animal Kingdom at Rope Drop, I'm assuming I'm probably not going to get on flight of passage, although maybe now I would pay for it with the new system. But I'll do Kilimanjaro safaris. I'll do dinosaur. I'm not really a roller coaster person, so Everest doesn't resonate with me, although I totally get why many people would love that. And I walk around a little bit. I'll check out Pandora, although having been in Pandora at night, I'm hesitant to be there during the day. It's just that game different. changer. It is a game changer. Now you go to Disney Springs for rope drop. Let's call that Disney Springs. <laughs> I mean, if you're willing to throw all concerns about calories by the wayside, you could get a great breakfast, even if it's at Starbucks. You could Everglades. spend hours. What's that? You can go to Everglades. Everglades, absolutely great choice. And you could spend hours going shopping at all the stores. If you really wanted to go into World of Disney, Trendy, the Marketplace Co-op, Art of Disney. And we haven't even gotten to the stores on the uh, west side. And in the, I'm trying to picture in my mind what the, the west side is where Splitsville is. Then yep. you have like Town Center where they have a, a Sugar Boot Company store, the running company. And... Um, under armor uniqlo and so forth so if you really are saying okay today is a shopping day and then you break in there with lunch and a snack you could hypothetically be there till dinner so i'm gonna that's a great question and my answer is i could be at disney springs way longer than animal kingdom i think that's true now look i'm, I'm never gonna take a shopping mall over a theme park so if people really want to boil it down that far you know animal kingdom is going to win out but what you described, other than throwing in a little Nomad Lounge, is kind of my time at Animal Kingdom for my last trip in July. Yeah, We went in. Actually, I didn't even get on the safari this time. Um, I did ride Everest. My, um, my son loves that ride. You know, and, and same thing. You, I don't really do the... We don't do the Boneyard anymore. He's, he's mm -hmm. kind of outgrown that at his age. Uh, not that he couldn't go play in there. He just chooses not to. Um, we don't go see Tough to be a Bug every time. Uh, we did go see Flights of Wonder, the, the new version of that this time. Right. Uh, and, th and then we went over to Nomad Lounge and we, we did walk through Pandora and the line for for the big ride was way too long. So we went on the small ride uh, and, and we got out of there. So uh, it's not a crazy hot take. I, I think I think when you first hear it, it's going to resonate like a really hot take. Right. And I think when people are saying, hey, I'm on a Disney trip and I've already paid for my park passes, I'm going to go spend some time at Animal Kingdom. I'm going to go see some animals. Uh, and, you know, if you really scoured any of the Disney theme parks, it's a full day. Uh, I used to get in these arguments all the time about half day parks. There's no half day park at Walt Disney World. Fair. You could spend open to close at every park if you wanted to. Um, but when you've been there and you start to not want to do some of the repeats, it's not a crazy thing to say, you know what? I'm going to fill my day with a, a nice breakfast, a morning of shopping, a couple rounds of bowling while I eat sushi, even though that sounds weird, it goes together. It does. And, and you know, with my son, I can go play in the Lego store at least an hour. Great store. <laughs> so there's, there's, and the M&M store is, like, is kind of fun. So there's a lot to do at Disney Springs, a lot more than there used to be uh, with downtown Disney and, and the marketplace, you know, village uh, before that. So that's true. Not, not a crazy hot take. And you have the new Cirque show opening up. Yes. 
Yes, no. I think Boathouse and the Cirque Show. I mean, we, we've now taken out our wallet more than it costs to get into Animal Kingdom with those That's two things on the, on the docket. Uh, but it's a great time. And let me clarify something, uh, Dean. For I'll speak for both of us here. We we are fans of Animal Kingdom. It's not that we don't like Animal Kingdom. It's just for we're fortunate enough to have been to Disney many times over the years. And for me, personally, just Animal Kingdom is the park that resonates the least with me in terms of at least for stuff to do. And there are some times where I'm, I could be there for a while in Walt Disney World and not even look at Animal Kingdom as a place I definitely need to go to, which I know is another, there will be people that would think I'm silly for saying that, but it's just a personal call. There are people out there who say Animal Kingdom is their favorite park. Yes, uh, I, we, we know uh, one. Uh, I did a, a seven day trip this past summer and I was in Animal Kingdom for roughly three and a half hours of it. Yeah. And when so, you came home from the trip, did you feel like you missed out on anything? No. And here's the funny thing. And this is um, this is going to sound a little bit crazy, too. But I think if people think about it, it'll resonate with everybody. When you think back to any of the trips in your past and when I asked my son about his favorite times on the trips we've taken, you never really say it was riding this attraction or seeing this show. There's always moments of your trip. Maybe it's in a theme park, but it's not the actual attraction. For my son, half the time it's being in the pool, which is hysterical because we have a pool. <laughs> but there's something a little bit different about the creepy clown pool. Rest in peace for the clown. Uh, and riding the keister coaster versus riding our keister coaster at our pool over here. Um, so I think some of those magic moments can get made outside of the theme parks. And they might be at Disney Springs for some people. So sure. it's not crazy to say that you know the, the most memorable part of your trip won't take place on an attraction and, and that resonates when you think about hey you know i'm going to spend more time at, at disney springs than i do at animal kingdom right i agree with that and that leads me to something that um i was thinking about in advance of our show tonight which is when we go to Disney, when people not not us but when people go to disney like you said a few moments ago if they're there for a five-day trip they're probably focused more on the theme parks but i know plenty of people that go to disney world for longer than that time, five nights. And they don't even look at Disney Springs as a place to go. And if you really wanted to go to Disney Springs for dinners, even during a busy time, a few episodes ago, I, I, it was, I guess, maybe actually on Butter and Bacon, we were talking about a possible trip. Or was it Stuff Wheel of Pockets? I get confused. But anyhow, we were checking the open we've, table reservation. We've been co-recording enough. That it's hard to, exactly. hard to remember. Uh, but we checked dinner reservation availability for Christmas night on open yeah. table and Disney Springs had a bunch. So you may not get boathouse, but you'll get a good solid restaurant. Maybe you get wine bar George, which to me is a phenomenal place. Yeah. Are we ever going to get to the point where Disney Springs becomes much harder to get into for reservations? I don't think so. If you're not particular, like you said, any Disney Springs, I just think there's so many high quality and high volume options down there now yeah that i think they'll almost always be capacity now we looked on christmas day for dinner and you know this was uh, last month so it might be tighter if we looked now uh, but we had a handful of options and and you know folks need to know that trick that while you are in a disney trip and your first grab is usually to the disney app the disney springs restaurants show up on open table and uh, quite honestly the cancellation policy is better on open table 
So you might be better served to use OpenTable anyway, but right. certainly as a second choice, if you go to your Disney app first and you don't see what you want, check there. Uh, I don't know. I bet there are times where those things are all booked up, but there's just so many great options. So many Michelin stars these days uh, across those restaurants and who sponsors those restaurants. Yeah. It's a fantastic place for, for dining options. It's actually my favorite part of Saratoga Springs. Is that it's located next to Disney Springs? Springs. Yes. So a question just came to mind, but I'm 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 kind of answering in my own mind. Can you make an argument that if someone was choosing between Saratoga Springs and the Boardwalk, which to me is in a prime location, Saratoga Springs is better? Depends the focus of your trip. Mm. If I'm on that four or five night trip you just referenced, and I want to focus on theme parks. There's nothing like walking in the back gate of Epcot and walking down to Hollywood Studios or taking the boat, the friendship boat, if you like it. So if my focus is more about being in the parks, I'd much rather be on Boardwalk. But if you're talking to argue specifically the cuisine options, uh, that's a great debate. Uh, And it depends what you're willing to allow me uh, on my Boardwalk side of that argument. Um, Because if you're only giving me Boardwalk, Yacht Club and Beach Club, I'm going to have a hard time stacking up against Disney Springs. But if you let me layer in Swan and Dolphin, I got a handful more great options now. Because you got Shula's and Blue Zoo? Shula's, Blue Zoo, Il Molino. Il Molino, uh, right. The, the sushi place there, uh, Kimonos. Um, actually, their, their pool bar uh, restaurant is actually really good, too. Uh, so there's, there's some great places there. And you have, I have not been there, but the at the Swan Reserve, the new Mediterranean place, which I hear very positive things about. Yeah, I haven't been there yet, um, but I have heard positive things as right. well. And uh, and I'd be remiss if I don't mention the fountain, which is the ice cream place sure. downstairs in the Dolphin. And they have Fresh, which is a, a quasi breakfast buffet, right? Slash slightly table service weird model, but ask your server <laughs> restaurant that you can go to. <laughs> right, right. It is amazing, though, just how, at least for us, Disney Springs has become a major focus of the trip. Because it is, to a large degree, just stores, many of which we could find closer to us in our respective residences. You know, it's, it's, but there's something about, I think it's really what it comes down to is the combination of those stores with the Disney stores, with the food and the snack options combined with the beautiful atmosphere, with the water and everything. It makes for a really complete shopping and dining experience. I, I will tell you, I have been in Disney Springs around sunset and you're walking over to the boathouse. And if this is right after browsing some of the, let's say art of Disney to take an example. And you see that sunset over the water, right? Run your paddlefish, you know, where you could see Saratoga Springs. Oh yeah. And that's a moment where you are so happy to be there. And that's, that, that's a that real is, Disney moment. That, that is, that is one of those things that I just call it. That, that's a vacation moment. That, it is a vacation moment. Yes. That's one of those ones where you can just pause for a second, get lost in the atmosphere and just like relax no matter what even if there's all those hundreds of people scurrying past you you just you kind of get that moment some people it's like half a second because my wife is very aware of her surroundings and would not be able to fully relax with that but i I would pull right over to the railing and just take a moment it's gorgeous yeah it's a beautiful location now let's see what other disney topics can i throw at you i got a i got a topic for you and i am not a disneyland expert um but i did hear that and this is going to relate to something Walt Disney World. I did hear that the parking at Disneyland is exorbitant. I heard it's thirty-five dollars for the first hour, and who goes to Disneyland for less than an hour? 
And then it scales up by $10 an hour. And I think it caps out at 75 bucks. So for all intents and purposes, parking at Disneyland is $75. Now, parking at Disney World is a fraction of that. It's, I think it's running around 25 bucks or so these days. Might have gone up. Um, but my news for you, which I think is pretty well vetted at this point, is the trams are coming back. So all of the venom and hate that's been spewed on Diz Twitter for the last year, uh, the trams are returning. And, yes. um and uh, I am not a tram taker. Are you a tram taker? Before I answer that, why are you not a tram taker? I'd rather walk. No matter where you parked in Magic Kingdom Park. No matter where I, par- I have been parked in the last row in the Epcot parking lot and I walk in. It's nothing against the trams. I have literally ridden the trams, mostly, uh, ironically, uh, at Animal Kingdom. <laughs> this is where I've taken the tram more than anywhere. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things where, when I, especially when I'm getting to the park, I'm very excited. We usually rope drop. So we're dry. If we take the car, we're driving over first thing in the morning. Right. So we get a pretty good parking spot and I don't want to stand and wait for the trim. I'd rather be moving towards the entrance, even if there have been times and it certainly has happened. Tram's not there. We say, let's walk it. We start walking. Tram shows up and all those people beat us to the gate. I don't really Got care. It. I was happy to be moving. So, uh, so yeah, the, uh, the trams are returning. And I hope it eases some people's mind. I find it funny. And when I'm on a vacation where I probably average somewhere in the neighborhood of 23,000 steps a day, yeah. that people were really worried about getting a ride to the front gate. Well, uh, Dean, now that trams are back, I'm ready to book a trip. <laughs> there you go. So, you were holding out. <laughs> so you asked me if I'm a tram taker. The answer actually is yes. But I will say that when I've been to the parks on very hot days, I, even though I'm an annual pass holder and get parking for free, I have actually paid for preferred parking to be even closer. Now, people may not understand that, but it is nice to be able to park your car and walk right in. Yeah. Not really. And, right. and it's only the upcharge. When you do that, you don't pay full price. Parking. It's the upcharge. And you yeah. don't walk right in. You get It's a closer walk to either the ferry or the monorail, basically. But yeah. if I park in a non-preferred parking location, I very often will walk, especially if it's one of the areas closer to the ferry boat and the monorail, where the tram taking really has come in for me has been when leaving the park, where I will have walked for a tremendous amount. Perhaps I got blisters on my feet. That has (laughs) happened before. I think it's happened to all Disney World veterans. And then I will like the comfort of being able to sit down on the tram, even if it's for a short ride. And I will tell you that on a recent trip to Disney, I guess it was in October, I was very glad. No, no, no. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't glad to have the tram because the tram wasn't there. But I was uh-huh. thinking to myself, I would be very glad to have the tram when leaving because my, by that point, my legs were exhausted. I'm not poo-pooing those who are trammers. Um, and I, I definitely agree with you. I would, I'd be more likely to tram out of the park than to the park. Right. I think it's just that excitement when we first get there. And again, we rope drop frequently. So our spots are usually very close. Right. So I just get up and walk. You know, we'll, we'll walk right to the front gate. I once hit my head on the roof of the tram really hard. It was very painful ooh, ooh. because those roofs are pretty low. And if you're not thinking about it, you could easily stand up and bang your head. So well, I do what remember is your that. most embarrassing injury at the Disney parks. Is that ooh. is that it? Have you done something worse than hitting well, your head on the tram? Let me think about that for a moment. I, I can give you an answer while you think, if you'd yes, like. Yes, what is your most embarrassing okay. injury? So this goes back a few years. We were at Epcot. We're with my in-laws and with my son. My son was walking, still in a stroller. So let's call him four-ish. So this okay. is probably about seven years ago. 
And you know those stores when you get to World Showcase, there's one on each side. Um, I forgot what they're called. No, it's not the World Traveler. That's the one over by the International Gateway. When you get right to the lagoon, though, you, you can go left or right. The appropriate answer is to go left mm-hmm. uh, towards Mexico. And there's a, there's a gift shop right there. So I can't remember what oh, I was sure. going Oh, sure. I know where it is. They ha- That's where they sell, I think, during uh, food and wine. It's kind of like a food merchandise, like a food and wine souvenir shop. Yeah, they yeah. They'll, if you do like the the Remy scavenger hunt, that's where yeah. you're going to go back. I, I know what you're gift. talking about. Yes. So pre this incident, or I should say, post this incident, you will notice there are lots of stickers and decorations all over the windows and doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not taking full credit for this, but I was going to that store. I'm going to blame my son slightly and say I was distracted by him, kind of wrangling him in or walking in, and those have automatic sliding doors. Yeah. Well, I didn't hit the window, like line myself <laughs> up where the sliding doors were. Sure. I I was walking in where the sliding doors end. Yes. Didn't even notice. So I walked face first right into that glass window. Oh, really? Didn't crack the window, thank God. Nothing broke. Whacked my head so hard. And uh, I have to give the cast members credit. They were out very quickly to make sure I was okay. And of okay. course, I was mortified and embarrassed and, uh, and, and just said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And walked away. And it, it was, it was, I got some chuckles from fellow patrons at Epcot that day. And my wife still loves to tell that story. And that's a great uh, story. Yeah, it is. It is. It is not the worst injury I've had, but it's definitely the most entertaining and most embarrassing one. Well, that's great. And I, I've never walked into class. You'll get to that level, Scott. Don't you worry. This was before any cocktails, by the way, this was like 11 in the morning. That's right. This is, uh, you should have taken the tram. You would have been more alert. (laughs) Anyhow, the, uh, I, in terms of injuries, honestly, I've just had bad blisters, but one thing that did happen to me years ago when you could take the mouse boats out and go, uh, on boats, uh, what I did, I was, where was I, I was not at the beach club, but I seem to recall being at could you take mass boats out of Caribbean beach? Was that a place you could take it out? That's a good question. I, I, we took them out the grand Floridian and the contemporary before. Yeah. Um, I don't remember them at Caribbean beach, but it's possible. Well, I, I, I was on a mass boat somewhere Yeah. and the engine in my mass boat died oh. and I was stranded, <laughs> literally stranded in the middle of the water. Oh, and um, <laughs> I had to be towed to shore. That's I remember seeing people on the sideline staring at this, like, who is this guy that needs to be towed to shore? Another thing that happened on a, this is on a recent, kind of recent trip. My brother and I were out on Bay Lake in a pontoon boat. We rented a whole pontoon boat, just the two of us, which is amazing, by the way. I highly recommend it. And, you know, I, I loved it. But the truth is you're, you're in control of a kind of big boat on Bay Lake and it can be intimidating. And we're riding this boat, we're in control. And then this official Disney boat is coming in our direction. And it seems to be closer to us than really makes us feel comfortable. And I, I realized <laughs> this boat is generating massive waves. Yes. So I said to my brother, I'm like, hold on. So we literally like held on and the waves from this boat shook our pontoon boat side to side. And I was quite nervous also years ago my wife and i were out on bay lake in a mass boat i don't know if you could even do that anymore i don't know if you can we, I was, on our honeymoon my, my wife and i were doing the same thing on bay lake in one of the mouse boats so i don't know we used to call them sprites i don't know if that was the official term or not but the uh we're in you know the little boats and 
one of the, those official like Disney transport boats, I forgot what they're called, the ones that go from Wilderness Lodge to Magic Kingdom, right? they came by and that created quite a wake. Um, yeah. and, and they did not slow down. <laughs> there was pretty much like, you're going to get out of our way. Uh, and we attempted, but those that wake was tough. That rocked you pretty good. Um, and, you know, those are the boats that when they go by the Contemporary, they're going over that bridge, they have to shut down the engine because they right. do create so much wake and they have to float their way through. Mm-hmm. This was not during that part of the trip. This was when they could wake all they wanted and they rocked our boat pretty good. It's intimidating. It really is. But with that being said, I do recommend taking boats out if you can. And the Contemporary oh, is a great a place to do that. It's a whole other dynamic uh, that gets added to your trip. Well, and, and I think it's one of those activities, you know, a lot of people like you said, they, they don't want to go to Disney Springs or for some reason they choose not to. And so when people are looking for things to do beyond the parks on a little bit longer trip, taking the boats out is a great one to do. Agree with that. I lot, definitely do. Are you ready for my next question? I am. There are plenty of fans of Walt Disney World, people who love the parks more than we do, if that's possible. Not who possible. will say, I will never go to Universal Studios Orlando. They refuse to go. And I have never been able to accept that as appropriate. I don't blame you. So what would you say to a Disney World fan who says that they will never go to Universal and there's no reason for them to go? What would your response be? Makes the line that much shorter for me when I'm waiting on a Harry Potter attraction. <laughs> I, I don't want someone to try something. Uh, vacations are expensive. Vacations are uh, limited. Like we, we don't get to spend 50 weeks a year on vacation, right? We spend two weeks a year on vacation. Or if you're lucky, maybe your job offers you three, four or five. But the majority of your time is spent at work. And so if it's your vacation, this is the same thing like when people say, why do you go back to Disney again? Why don't you go do something else? Because that's how I want to recreate. And so while I do think they're missing out on fantastic opportunity, uh, there are restaurants over at Universal that rival the stuff you have at Disney. There are now attractions at Universal that rival what you have at Disney. And in fact, if you're someone who likes the thrill rides, there are better attractions at Universal than what you get offered at Disney. So my gateway to people that don't want to go to Universal, I tell them to Uber over or if they have a car drive over, go to CityWalk for a night. Pick one restaurant. I'd recommend Antijitos. If not, maybe a Toothsome. Uh, go to Cowfish. Uh, that's just first three off the top of my head. Go do right. something at CityWalk because I'll tell you, if, if people, especially again, if they're, if they're thrill ride people, you get over to CityWalk and, and people don't understand if they haven't been there, how much you can kind of see the parks and be in here the parks from CityWalk. This isn't Disney Springs, the Magic Kingdom, where you need a bus. This is all in the same complex. Yes. And so I, I say, try it out. Uh, just go over there for a meal, go over there for a cocktail, go over there for live music. And I think once people are there and they kind of see it and they, they start thinking about it, it'll resonate maybe. And, and maybe next time they go down or two times from them, they'll go down, they'll go give it a try over at Universal. That's a great, uh, great set of thoughts. And you're right. Those restaurants alone are top-notch places and fun places as well with with yes. good theming and atmosphere yeah i mean I, you could go upscale at universal they have some high-end restaurants and places yeah. you can go and get a, a beautiful steak dinner or, you know nice italian over at portofino but i'm just thinking when i think universal universal to me is meant to be kind of fun it's not that disney's not fun but i i don't there's just something about universal there's, there's like a personality over there 
And I think those restaurants help personify the feeling of Universal. Yes. So that's why I tend to lead with those three as ones to recommend. It, to me, Universal is, it's like one um, immediate complex in a way, whereas Disney World is spread out. Like you said, you can see the theme parks, both Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios from CityWalk. Rip Ride Rocket Roller Coaster goes right to the edge of CityWalk. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's what I mean. If you're a th- thrill ride person and you've, you're a Disney fan, but like, you know, you wish you had another level after Everest or after Space right. Mountain, like, you go see that. <laughs> you're like, whoa, I didn't know they had that here. Like, that. And if, if you are any sort of a level of fan, I'm not a huge Harry Potter person. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the books. I've seen all the movies, love the movies, uh, love Harry Potter. I really do, even though I haven't read the books. And I know there, there are purists out there that will shame me for saying I love Harry Potter and I've only read part of the first book. It's all stuff um, we love. It's all stuff yeah. we love. But those sections, if you are a Harry Potter fan at all, at any level, those areas of those two parks are worth the price of admission. My wife doesn't love the rest of Universal um, theme parks. She loves CityWalk and she loves the two uh, lands that are dedicated to the Harry Potter theming. And that alone is enough to get her to want to go down for a, a trip in April. Yeah, see, I... Kn- Speaking of Harry Potter, I never understood why Disney fans wouldn't appreciate what Universal offers. Because if you're into the Disney theming, the theming at Wizarding World of Harry Potter is spectacular. Oh, it's it's as good as anything at a Disney theme park. As good as Galaxy's Edge, as good as Pandora yeah. to me. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's just about whether you're a bigger fan of Pandora, Star Wars, or Harry Potter. Because they're all immensely immersive. Right. Very well detailed. Love the hidden nods in all those lands to the super fan, uh, while also being very welcoming and accommodating to the folks who don't know all the details. Sure. I agree with that. And when you, like you mentioned a moment ago, when you take into account the universal hotels and the dining options available there, amazing choices. You have, for example, the Palm over at Hard Rock, Beach A at, is it Beach A at Portofino? And also the Mm -hmm. Fun at time place I went to Mama Dell's. Is it Della's or Dell's? It's Mama Della's, right? I think it's Della's, yeah. Mama Della's. The chicken parmesan there is out of this world. It's a fantastic and This meal. is coming from a guy in New Jersey. That is true. I so know you, my stuff. So I know what he knows his chicken parm. I know my chicken parm. And that place is great. <laughs> and it's a very fun atmosphere. Unique atmosphere. Very, very, you know, we talk about Disney theming and how that carries over to the restaurants. Well, Mama Della's is a well-themed restaurant. It's like you're eating in someone's home, in their kitchen, in their dining room. And it's a wonderful experience. Speaking so. of uh, kitchen, I love the kitchen. It's another restaurant you can go and just enjoy everything. Where is that? At the Hard Rock. Oh, it's called that's a, it's called Kitchen. It's yeah, yes, the, the oh, kitchen. Yeah. Yes, it's okay. It's getting late, Scott. It's getting late. <laughs> it's getting late. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. So there's so much at Universal, and all I will add that I much prefer the mini golf. At Universal, which is right at the entrance to CityWalk, compared to when I've been golfing, mini golfing in Walt Disney World. Just an observation. Hottest take of the show right there. <laughs> That's a hot take. But mini golf that. showdown. Mini golf showdown. We'll be starting another podcast, mini golf stuff we love. Fun fact I have not mini golfed at Universal or at Walt Disney World, but I have at that Pirates place in, in Orlando. I know that place. It's it's Pirates kind of, Cove, I think. It's right on the uh, side of the road. You really can yeah. see the entire yeah. course. Absolutely. If you were going to my next question, Dean, since you've been to the Orlando area many times, you've been to Disney, you've been to Universal, 
if you were to do, um, let's say you have a choice between things in the Orlando area, would you ever consider doing the Orlando eye? Has that ever resonated with you as an attraction? It doesn't. And the I, reason- I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's, it's just, it seems like maybe there's more there. Um, and they certainly have built it up over the years as far as other things to do in that area. Uh, my next excursion outside of disney universal is probably to spend a day at sea world which i haven't yeah. done yet um yeah i don't know the, the orlando eye doesn't it just doesn't draw me it's a cool thing i'm glad it's there i'm glad right. people get a chance to experience it um it probably is behind gatorland on my list of things i want to do in the orlando area um and that's a knock because gatorland's not very high on the list <laughs> sure uh one thing that used to be on our list and we never got there and now we have one in new york and my son's aged a bit is uh, legoland yes and we have not done that yet either um but that's supposed to be pretty fun yeah it's in tampa i guess so it's a little bit of a drive yeah a little bit out there tampa um, has a tremendous aquarium the florida aquarium i've never been there but i hear great things about it so what about the eye for you is that is that a draw for you would you, you take an evening to go see downtown orlando ish Really I've been to the Eye in London, but I've been on the London Eye. In National Harbor, Maryland, I don't know if it's an Eye, but it's a huge Ferris wheel like that. I've been on that. Yeah. I would consider doing it in Orlando, although, quite frankly, one of the reasons to do these things is for the views. Yeah. And I've gotten amazing views in Walt Disney World itself from a high vantage point. So I know you get a right. bigger area. On the Orlando Eye, you could presumably see the Universal and downtown Orlando. It's so, but it's not something that really draws me in. Um, I when I've been down in the Orlando area and looking for stuff to do outside the theme parks, I've gone to an Orlando Magic game. It was that sounds fun. Magic Rockets, I guess, was the matchup. This goes back to when James Harden was on the Rockets. So just to give you an idea, it's not that recent. Well, a couple of years ago, I've also driven to Tampa to go to Burns Steakhouse, which is a legendary steakhouse there, followed by a Tampa Bay Lightning game. Oh, there you go. I've been out for a Tampa Rays game. Have On a Disney trip? Down there. Yes. Was yeah, it against the, the Yankees? Uh, it was. Yeah, it happened to coincide the Yankees. And this goes back uh, more than 11 years to put okay. it in. in, in the, it's, it's, it's pre-child. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun, though. I mean, it, it was... Uh, Eye-opening, I guess, is the word. Having, at that point, only been to Fenway for, for Red Sox games and Yankee Stadium for Yankee games and Shea a couple times. Um, when we went to the Tampa game, the parking was free. So that That's alone tells you you're in a different world. That's a different right? world. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the, the tickets were, I can't remember, but it was a fraction of what we would have paid at Yankee Stadium. And we sure. were third base side, like, you know, in the infield. It, it was amazing seats. Yeah, uh, not not a lot of cost. Um, it was just so weird to be because it was in summer, very temperature controlled. Obviously, it's in a dome. Right. So it was just it was just a, it was a great experience. I love going to ballparks, but it was just an odd experience compared to my typical baseball experience. Right. Yeah, I've never been to the Tampa Bay Rays Stadium. I've always been not hesitant to go. That's not the right phrase, but it, it's always struck me as kind of a dull stadium because of the great concrete ceiling and all that. But it's a little dull, but um, you know what? My wife, like, my wife might've dozed off after uh, a few <laughs> innings, but like you said, it's fun to see other stadiums. Like I go, yeah. I've been to the Miami Marlins stadium a few times. Love it. And you get good seats there for the money. So it's, especially when you're seeing your favorite teams on the road, that's really cool. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll put your question into this context for an answer. If there was some version of a vacation package and they gave me free tickets to go ride the Orlando Eye, there's probably about a 35% chance I'd actually use the coupon. 30, okay, well, that's... I'm going <laughs> to take that point and respond by saying that when I was in National Harbor, Maryland, the only reason I went on the first wheel was because they gave us free tickets at our hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know what i'm saying then <laughs> i know what you're saying and on that trip when we were on the ferris wheel for whatever reason i still couldn't tell you why to this day when we were towards the top so it's very high up the ferris wheel stopped moving for an extended period of time and that is not really enjoyable no i mean great views i guess for you take take a couple of pictures but yeah that is that is akin to um we took a snorkeling trip when we were in saint lucia and after about 30, 35 minutes, I was starting to get seasick. Oh, just bobbing in the water and snorkeling and found out we were out there for another 55 minutes before the boat was going to take us all back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the enjoyment stopped and I was ready to move on. I, that's kind of my uh, my equivalent of being stuck at the top of a Ferris wheel. It's OK for a while. And then right. I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on now. Can we get down? Would you rather be stuck at the top of a Ferris wheel or on the Skyliner? Uh, oh, good question. Um, I think I would feel more secure and stable on the Ferris wheel. Okay. Yeah. The Skyliner. I love the Skyliner. It's one of my favorite modes I do of transportation, too. but if it's a windy day, if yeah. it's still running, that's a big if, cause they will stop it on a very windy day. That thing sways. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's got some give there on the line, which I'm sure is by design and it's yes. all tested and safety equipped, but um, yeah, it's a little scary it, and it comes in pretty hot when you're coming into the stations. That is, that is quite a slope. It's not quite flying into LaGuardia sloped, uh, right. but, but it's sloped. And, and the New York people understand that reference because that, yes. that is a steep takeoff and, and landing when you're flying in and out of LaGuardia. So, Dean, if you had a choice between staying at Caribbean Beach or Port Orleans French Quarter, where are you staying? Same, same price for everything. All right. So my answer is a little bit skewed because I haven't stayed at Caribbean Beach since it got renovated. Fair. Uh, they have a whole new lobby and all that kind of stuff. Um, so taking into account that that might improve them and they have the Skyliner now, I'll stay at French Quarter every time. I, I actually really like French Quarter. French yes. Quarter is it's the smallest uh, resort on property. It's super cute. It's super nice. Great, uh, great food court. Well, really good food court. Great's a little overselling it. But you have beignets. So in the morning, it's great because you have beignets. Um, nice walk along the river. You have pretty good access via boat, via boat, or uh, uh, I think you can walk most of it to get to Disney Springs. Uh, but more importantly, you have the sister resort right next door, so all of the entertainment and food options at Riverside are quickly available to you if you mm -hmm. want to scooch over there. Um, and that's not a knock on Caribbean Beach. It, it's the pool area is probably a little nicer at Caribbean Beach. Yes. Um, the the pool's good at, at French Quarter. It's nothing great. My my son always calls it the alligator pool. Right. Um, we have not seen actual alligators in the pool, just to clarify for your listeners, <laughs> but they have some really fun statues. Right. Um, but I, I really like the theming at French Quarter. I don't, it's yes. just, I, I, I might romanticize it more in my head than how quality it is, but it's, I like it there. It's a really good resort. Yeah. It's a fun place. I've stayed there a couple of times. It's intimate. The food court, I agree with you, is, is definitely really good. Uh, the theming is well done. Uh, not the best for pool, but I would say that, yes, you know, okay, Caribbean Beach has got Skyliner and that's really cool and all, 
but the Disney Springs boat ride coming from Port Orleans French Quarter because of where you go. You pass the tree houses. It's a really fun. Yeah, that's exciting. Especially if you don't know they're going to be there and you all of a sudden you happen upon them. The tree houses are great. It's like an attraction in and of itself, that boat ride. So my gut instinct is to actually agree with you and stay at Port Orleans French Quarter. Is Port Orleans French Quarter right now your favorite moderate resort? Yes. Uh, But Coronado is very, very close. As I asked that question, I remembered, oh, what about Grand Destino? That's. (laughs) That's definitely the most impressive. My oh, favorite oh. moderate resort is actually Wilderness Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke about Wilderness Lodge. The room sizes at Wilderness Lodge are very moderate sized. Yes, rooms. they are. They're, they don't stack up to the size of like a contemporary or a Polynesian room. I agree um, with that. I stayed there once. I thought the room size was very small. I was only there for one night, so it really didn't bother me. But I am always thinking about trips. And even though I will, when I go on a trip, I would book with adventures out there travel. I sometimes just peruse rates and wilderness lodge is very expensive. It's not a cheap hotel by any means. It's expensive and it's gone up recently. It it used to be my folks who wanted to try out deluxe and they got sticker shock at the poly and and, uh, grand flow prices. I used to steer them towards wilderness lodge because it's not on the monorail, but it's a boat right away. Right. Uh, and most folks like riding the boats at, at Disney World. And getting a boat from there to Magic Kingdom is fantastic. It's a fun ride. Um, and, and it used to be not quite half, but maybe two-thirds the price of the Polynesian room. Mm-hmm. So it was a good cost savings. Uh, but that that's, they've been creeping up. You're right. Their, their prices are, are growing at the Wilderness Lodge. I've seen Wilderness Lodge for $5.50 and up. Yeah, that, that's steep. Um, you know, back when the poly was first crossing that 500 barrier, you could get a wilderness lodge room at three. Yes. Now I think you'd be hard pressed to get any deluxe and in the threes, maybe old Key West at times. Yeah. I don't think yeah, you even get Saratoga Springs anymore in the threes. No, probably not. I mean, it's uh, the best discounts that are going to be out there are going to be those annual pass rate discounts. Right. And, and those used to go up to 35, 40%. It's tough to find them even above 25 these days. Occasionally there's a 30% off, but a lot right. of times it's 25. Um, and, and so the, yeah, the days of 40% off are, I think that ship sailed. I'm not sure you're going to see that again. Yes. My honeymoon was a 40% off annual pass discount rate at the Grand Floridian. 40%. And I think we paid somewhere in the neighborhood of like 239 a night. And I thought we were like <laughs> bleeding out the nose, how expensive that was. Like it's only doing this because it's our honeymoon. And imagine now if you can get Grand Floridian at 239 a night. Put it this way. Recently, I think I heard on another podcast that the art, uh, not out of animation, maybe one of the all-stars was in the 300s around the holidays. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. Wow. I mean, that that is pretty fascinating. And and if you follow enough commentary on this Twitter, they will all tell you how... Disney's pricing people out and and they don't go. And if you go and try to book that room at the All-Star, it's probably pretty close, if not completely sold out. Yes. So um, Disney doesn't really inventory by person. They just carry by capacity and they're not having any problems. No, they're really not. It's and neither is Universal. Universal's prices are up there, too. But I will say, and we have said this before on the podcast many times, we talk about a few minutes ago at Disney versus Universal. The value that you get at Universal for the deluxe hotels is better 
in my yeah. mind than the value that you get at Disney. So take Portofino over at Universal. Spectacular hotel, massive lake in the middle, boat transportation to City Walk, multiple restaurants, nice rooms, spacious, wonderful atmosphere, good shopping, good pools, including a beautiful quiet pool area. Even at their prime, let's call it the prime time at that hotel where busiest times of the year, you might be looking at a five, $600 rate. To me, that's, you get more for your money with that than you do at a place like Wilderness Lodge, probably, in my opinion, because of room size. Yeah. And, uh, well, and Wilderness Lodge doesn't even have a fine dining restaurant anymore. I mean, I know they'll, they'll try to tell you the new version of Artist Point is, but it is very much a, a character meal now. Um, right. So folks don't, I, I guess the food is still supposed to be upscale, but it's a different atmosphere than sitting down to a nice, you know, deluxe fancy restaurant. For sure. A lot of theme park stuff going on. Even during the holiday season, we could take a break from major news stories and just absorb what's going on at the theme parks. There's always something going on. And, um, and you know, the, the real thing I think is getting excited about what's going to unveil in 2022. That was something I was going to ask you. And why don't we wrap up the theme park discussion with that? Let me ask you, what are you looking forward to in 2022? If, whether it's something that's coming out at the parks or just something for you on a personal level related to the theme parks. I think what I'm looking forward to is, uh, and right now we're thinking our next trip is going to be probably early summer, so like end of June timeframe, uh, being able to go back to Walt Disney World and see the, believe it or not, the statues uh, for the 50th and the fireworks shows, because I haven't seen fireworks at Walt Disney World in a long time, and I'm looking forward to what Epcot and what Magic Kingdom are offering. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'll check out the Guardians of the Galaxy attraction when it's open. I'm not super jazzed, like waiting every day for that thing. I'm much more excited for the Tron poster, but uh, I don't know when that's going to open. Sure. <laughs> I think there was a 2020 date on that one. So um, <laughs> they probably missed that. It'll be um, ready by the 60th. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's the nighttime shows. I think it's, it's the merch for 50th and the nighttime shows. I like that. Answer. Statues. I'm excited about the statues. I'm going to take a selfie with every single one and send them all to Nick. <laughs> Please do that. <laughs> Include me on that text message chain. Yes. Apparently, uh, according to Nick, that'll only be 33 pictures, not 50. So <laughs> yes, we'll save him a little space on this phone. Well, it's going to be here soon. The new year's coming up and that means more trips. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things I used to look forward to every year on the uh, Dick Clark rock and new year's Eve, they always ran the Disney promotion commercial. Yes. Sometime during that show. ABC. Yeah. They haven't done it the last couple of years because they haven't had much of a promotion, but I'm, I'm sure we'll see some 50th Disney anniversary commercials during that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be promoted on Christmas day. You have the Disney parade. There'll be some good commercials during that. Yep. Then again, YouTube is now a constant commercial <laughs> for all these Disney from, from the vloggers. Um, so what are you looking forward to for the 50th? Well, I would say it's just this this recent trip that I went on was not a normal trip for me in the sense that I did get sick a couple of days on the trip. So I'm hoping to have a more normal trip experience in 2022 and uh, to see. I saw a few of the statues. I want to see more of them in person. So I agree with you on that. Uh, Looking forward, as always, to just getting a break in the summer. I know it's hot down there, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I kind of look at the arrival of the new year 
and every new year as looking forward to the fun times ahead. And even though we're a few months away from summer, it's just knowing that assuming all goes as planned, I'm going to be back there for some length of time, which is great uh, because these theme parks mean a lot to us and the hotels and Disney Springs, they play a large role in our lives. And to know you're going to be back there is really just a very satisfying feeling. I also, as I said to you, Dean, off air before we started recording tonight, looking ahead to December 2022, I really would like to go down, if possible, for a long weekend to see some of the holiday festivities in person and try some of those snacks I seem to watch vloggers eat 24-7. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want to talk about the food, I, I guess one thing else I'd add to my list of things I'm looking forward to, uh, Steakhouse 71. Yes, a uh, restaurant I reservation I had to cancel due to my yes, illness on the I know, trip. I know, sore, sore subject to even bring up with you. Um, and also Space 220. Uh, Space 220. I, I, think, I think the price point, is what caused a lot of the negative reaction. Um, but I think the the food quality that I've read and heard yes. and seen a little bit has been very strong. And, uh, and I think the experience is, is really fun. So uh, yes, I think that will be, it's funny. Cause like I said, when I walk into Epcot, I'm not, you know, if I ride the guardians ride, that's great, but I want that space 220 reservation. Sure. We all <laughs> show me where the statues are. <laughs> Well, it's good, good theme park stuff. And it's been a joy talking with you and Nick and Paul when they're here about all things theme parks. It's been been really great. And all the other guests we've had on the show that that chime in with their love of theme parks. It's very enjoyable. We've never had someone on that hates the theme parks. That would be an odd pairing. That would be an odd pairing. They probably are not in your uh, your sphere of listeners. Although, as I as I heard on a recent show, your sphere of listeners has grown quite a bit. And so... Yes. Uh, Maybe you're going to reach that Howard Stern level where, where people start to listen to you that hate you because they want to hear what you're going to say next. <laughs> that uh, is and true. Starting off with Disney Springs is better than Animal Kingdom might be getting you on that list. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I guarantee you those listener increases took a turn in the opposite direction with that. <laughs> Dean, what you're referring to is on my previous episode where my friend Mike joined me. Uh, at the end of the episode, I talked about the year in review from Spotify where I was able to see how our listeners grew just on Spotify alone. And I forget the exact numbers offhand, but we're talking about hundreds of percentages and increases over the course of the year, including internationally. So I thank all of our listeners and uh, wherever you're listening from, hope you're having a good time. And I'm not ready to wrap up yet. I got a few more things to say, I guess, but no, <laughs> that, yeah, like a wrap no, that, that, that started to feel like a wrap up and I was no. getting sad. You go for another few minutes. You know, the night, the night is young. Uh, yes, it is. It's, it's only uh, the third quarter of the football game. Let's, let's uh, keep going. Are the Lions? What's the score? Twenty-nine to seven. The uh, the Vikings are up handily. Okay, interesting. It's time to sit Dalvin Cook for the rest of the game and play uh, <laughs> Madison. So, Dean, let me ask you: What have you been? Give me a stuff we love recommendation, just in general. Something you've been watching, Ooh. reading, listening to that that makes you happy. Oh, that that's a good one. And uh, and on that recent episode you referenced, you uh, one of my things that I've been loving lately. Uh, well, I've I finished it already. Is uh, is um. Oh God, I forgot the name of it. Not the Martin Short, uh, Steve Martin show. Only murders in the building. Only murders in the building. Yeah, that that was fantastic. Did you get the chance to finish it? Yes, I did. Yeah, that was good. Um, Let let me ask you a question about that. Yeah, yeah. One of the comments I made to Mike is that in Only Murders in the Building, the architecture is a major aspect of the show. Yes. I was curious if you felt that way too. I, I absolutely feel that way. The building was the building was a major. It's okay. So I'll dial it back. My son is in sixth grade. And his English teacher has spent, like, since the beginning of the school year, and we're in December, 
talking about setting and like how many books is, is this poor kid going to read where they keep talking about the setting they don't even talk about the plot and the and the layout of the sh- character building they just talk about setting well in that show the setting is critical right and not just because it's talk about in the building and it's an apartment building and all that but the the um if that was a generic like modern apartment building yeah in some modern city that's developed over the last 25 years would not have had the same feel um getting the new york architecture getting the classicness of that building and then just the way that the uh, the characters tore the building right i think was a huge part of building it wasn't a suspenseful mystery uh but it built some suspense and it, and it built a lot of the feel if you yes. know what i mean um and you know what it really caught me on that show i love 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 steve martin and oh i really too. like martin short too yes they neither of them were the best actor in that show to, to me uh selena gomez stole that show selena gomez yeah she was, we, we were talking about her she skills was on that episode. wonderful selena gomez uh did a great job in that show and worked very well with steve martin and martin sharp martin short. <laughs> that's the second episode in the row i mispronounced <laughs> martin short you can actually um, blend them together and just call them steve martin short that's true um, but that is not my that is not my recommendation for you. My recommendation for you or something that I've been loving lately is a new show. And I was just trying to check which channel it's on. Um, it is on the History Channel and it's called The Toys That Built America. Oh, are you familiar with this? No, but there's a Netflix show, The Toys That Made Us, which is all about. Oh, that's interesting. That might yeah. be very similar. Um, the Toys That Built America, it's, it's History Channel. It's got terrible dramatization in it. Uh, that part to me takes away from the show, but it has a lot of history. And, and uh, actually here in Connecticut, which is where I'm from, we have some history when it comes to toys, things like Silly Putty and the Frisbee and, and things that were actually built in my state or you know, discovered slash created in my state. So there's a little bit of, you know, sort of that hometown nostalgia of watching the show. But, um, you know, they've gone through things like uh, the history of those ones I just referenced. Um, the hula hoop was talked about. And so it's cool because like we've seen growing up and, and being our age, you know, you know, the company Whammo and all the mm-hmm. sh- toys that they put out in our childhood. And so this show is probably not geared towards uh, the younger generation. I mean, certainly they might and should know all those historical toys, but it's a nice tribute to really capture people that are probably in that Gen X ish plus or minus uh, right. age range and talk about the toys that we played with as kids. So I'm only a couple episodes in. It's a little dry. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the, the dramatization is a little cheesy, um, and I didn't expect that going into it, but I'm okay with that too. Uh, it's just a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. Backstory. Does, does each episode focus on a particular toy? Yeah, a couple per episode. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sort of separate segments within the, I think they're hour-long shows. When you were a kid, Dean, did you have any video game systems? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember um, we got an Atari 2600. I was wow. probably six or seven at the time. Uh, and then I was a, the biggest one from my childhood is a Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Um, I had okay. a, yeah, I, I had an NES for sure. Um, but we Super Nintendo was the one that really captured me. And I was big into the sports games. Yes. So uh, pre Madden. Yeah, we're talking Tech Mobile, Super Tech Mobile, um, yeah. MLB Baseball. MLB uh, baseball. Griffey Jr. baseball. Do you, does the so, name on regular NES Blades of Steel? Does that mean anything? Yes, to you? loved Blades of Steel. <laughs> what about Love SNK yeah. Baseball Stars? Yep, I remember S- that one too. Yeah, and um, was that the one? 
uh oh god was that the one where you like recruited players and one of the teams with the lovely ladies and you had to yes. recruit the money and help yeah. build up the pro yeah yeah i uh, i had never thought of that lovely ladies i not thought of that in a long long time <laughs> and i vividly remember that yeah i was a i wasn't a i mean i was a more of a go outside and play kid but i was big into video games for a while and, and yes. they really still i still play them with my son um but i was a huge tetris geek yeah and so uh I, I actually I was in a video game contest at our local uh, rental store. You know, you'd, you'd, back in the day, you know, pre, this wasn't Blockbuster, but it was like Blockbuster. It was a local store, and uh, they held a contest one Saturday. And I went over there, and, and they had a series of rounds, and you played different video games. And the semifinal game was uh, Tetris, mm -hmm. and I crushed the field. So I got I got sort of home court advantage for the finals, and uh, they busted out Super Mario Three, which I had never seen before. And the kid that I was head to head against uh, had already played and beaten the game, so he right. crushed me in the finals. So <laughs> I, I, I finished second place, and uh, I won a free video game from that, which was cool. Um, but wow. yeah, no, I, I, uh, I definitely was a, a Nintendo Entertainment System and Super Nintendo Entertainment System kind. We had a sixty-four, but that was kind of moving in and post college for me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, now we have an Xbox X upstairs and, uh, and a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, so do I. Actually, those are the systems I have. Let me ask you if you remember this, because I have a memory of being a kid. And if you went video game shopping at Toys R Us, let's say, they would have like the cover image of the games and there would be little plastic pockets with little paper cards. Yes. And what you would. So let's say you wanted to buy Super Mario 2. You would take the paper out of the pocket. It would say Super Mario 2 on there, along with the price, I think. And yep. you take it to the register and they would retrieve the game for you. Yeah, they'd and scan they, that. That that would have the barcode. They'd scan that. And then some right. other manager or somebody would have to come by and have the key and, exactly. and unlock to get the video game. So and if there was nothing the left in that plastic pocket, they were out of the game. Heartbroken. That was painful. That was yeah, painful. That was heartbreaking at that point. You know, what's really fascinating is that these games that we talked about a moment ago, these sports games, I used to play these over and over as a kid. I love them. And oh, I yeah. still do like playing them now for retro, you know, nostalgic reasons. Absolutely. But they, I was a bigger fan of them as a kid than I am now in some respects. In other words, the technology has improved so much and the entertainment options available to us outside of video games has increased tremendously as well, that it would take a lot to get me to sit down and play a full Blades of Steel game again, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. I, I've played some. Uh, we have Madden 21, so I've played mm -hmm. some of that with my son, and we got the NBA 2K21. And uh, I, I have to admit, I felt like my dad probably did playing with me when I was uh, younger. The, it was just a lot of buttons on the controller. And yeah. For the football game, I was fine, but the basketball, it was just a little bit too much. And and I think my brain kind of like went back to the way, not quite NBA jams, but maybe the um, NBA Live uh, series of games where those buttons were located. Yep. And so I kept thinking I was going to shoot and it was a pass button and I thought I was going to steal and I was jumping and sure. it was, I was a mess playing that thing. I um, find the go, basketball games pretty hard. Yeah. They're, they're kind of tough to control. Um, but going back to the nostalgia track, I'll tell you that I was a huge Mario fan. So that's why we always had Nintendo systems, but I really, really love the Mega Man series games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mega Man two was one of the defining games of my I was gonna say Mega Man two, especially that was, that's exactly the one I was going to yes. point out. That that game was just brilliant. Love that game. Um, I could picture the cover, Mega Man in his blue uniform. I could picture mm -hmm. like the way it, 
And I remember struggling with that game. Like I couldn't get past certain points and I just kept trying over it, and over. It was a challenging one. I, I remember finishing it and it felt like a real accomplishment. Like that was a, nothing like finishing Metroid though. I don't know if you're a Metroid guy. No, but I, uh, I certainly know the impact uh, of that game. I, I, I don't want to do the spoiler, but you know, it's, it has <laughs> been 35 years. So you, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, that was a great game. What are your favorite board games to play even now? Um, good question. Uh, I probably play more card games than board games. Yes. Um, so, you know, I'll play, I'll play what we call it setback. I think some people call it pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it will play rummy and, and, uh, my son loves to play Uno. So we'll play Uno. Uno, Um, I I was always a monopoly guy. Yeah. Um, but you have to, that's a commitment. It's a long Uh, game. You got I actually prefer Monopoly Junior these days because we can get in and out of that game a lot quicker. It's a good game, um, Monopoly Junior. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little easier these these days. Um, and I was a fan of Sorry. Of course. Uh, and at my grandma, well, two grandmothers, obviously. My my dad's side grandmother's house, uh, we played Parcheesi. Okay, I never really played that that much. Yeah, that was uh, that was a that was one at her house. So. When you? you well, uh, in terms of board oh, games, I, I totally share that assessment about Monopoly Junior. It's much more accessible <laughs> than, than regular Monopoly. A game that I love that I just bought in a 40th anniversary edition. I think it was 40th. Is it, could it be 40? Categories. I don't know if you played Categories. Yeah, yeah. No, I know Categories. Yeah, that's a good one. So I bought it thinking, oh, this is just like the game I used to have, same cover and everything. And then I saw for more than 50% the pr- less the price. Uh, the modern day version of categories, which was, <laughs> would have been the same thing for a lot less money, but it's cool to buy. That's what they sell nowadays. They sell retro versions of these games yeah, from well, our childhood. Because when we were younger, and God, I'm going to sound like an old man here. When we were younger, the board games were just made better quality. Yes. They and were. then, uh, especially when they were premier edition type stuff and they were trying to like get you to hook down these games. And so I remember having like, you know, the high quality board, the Monopoly pieces were actually made of metal, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. There was detail oh, yeah. on the hotels and the houses. And then they really cheesed out for a while, just trying to pump out the cheapest version possible. Even the paper money got thinner, which yeah. was amazing to me. Yes. Um, and then you're right. As they got to like, hey, here's the 30th, the 25th, whatever edition, uh, you know, 40th for categories. They come out with better quality when they do that. Of course, they double the price tag. Right. But they, they definitely come out with better co- uh, quality. The other thing I always enjoyed um, were trivia games. Yes. You know, Trivial Pursuit being probably the the poster child of that. Uh, and Disney Trivial Pursuit, we own that. We own two different versions of it. Oh, I didn't know that even exists. Do you know I own Beatles Trivial Pursuit, which I know I am, you're going to have no interest in. I am not surprised at all. Uh, but unless the answer is Yellow Submarine, I'm probably going to get it wrong. <laughs> um, do you? I'm going to throw some names of board games out at you that I played as a kid. Tell me if these resonate with you. Go to the head of the class. Didn't play that one. Mr. Game Show. Nope. Shrieks and Creeks. I'm pr- pretty sure you made up all three of those <laughs> i did not make those up i, I really <laughs> did not make those up <laughs> they're all games shrieks and creeks is a horror game that had a cassette tape and so unless you have a cassette player nowadays you can't even play wow. a, a version of it That's what nice. about passport I, I remember the name i couldn't tell you any details but i do remember that one stratego oh yeah stratego is a I great played. game um, and I know there's others, but those are just some that come to mind. Game of well, Life, I, I was very into as well. Life, uh, yes. Clue. Clue is great. Even still, Othello. What's, what's cool? Did you play Othello. Yeah, Othello. Uh, I didn't really play it that much, but I certainly I can picture. I think I had it. Um, what's cool about Clue nowadays is you have so many different versions. Clue, Harry Potter. Yeah. Clue, 
insert name of pop culture franchise. Yeah. You have a clue. Probably Beatles. I'm, I'm sure it exists. Uh, d- I don't think that the, the, actually. The problem with Clue Beatles is it's always Yoko Ono's fault. <laughs> that is not true. That is one of the <laughs> lessons of the Get Back documentary on Disney Plus now. Anybody who thinks Yoko broke up the Beatles is incorrect. <laughs> That's the. It was, that, it was that holiday song, man. <laughs> the, the what? Holiday song from John Lennon. That's what broke up the Beatles. The holiday song. It probably came out way after. The, the This is Christmas. Oh, oh you called? mean the Christmas holiday song? Christmas uh, yeah, song, uh, yeah, War is Over if you want it. Yeah, so, War is Over. Um, that came out in, I guess, the early 70s, I believe. Not, and I love I love John Lennon. That's not one of my favorite Christmas songs. I'm no, so he, he was writing that, and that ruined the Beatles. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to blame that, because I hate that. I'm, well, I can't say I hate that song. That is among my least favorite of Christmas songs. Um, agree. And I will rarely stay on a radio station that starts to play that song. I, I heard a version of it, and I think it was by Jewel. Oh. And I have to admit, I mean, I'm a Jewel fan, so I'm biased, but yeah. uh, it was way better than the John Lennon version. <laughs> yeah, just to know you're listening to something John wrote makes me happy, Dean. Okay, I'll <laughs> listen to lots of things that John wrote. So, um, but that's great stuff about board games. Um, I wanted to ask you one other question. Uh, it'll come to me in a future episode. <laughs> but, um I actually, speaking of music, I watched something very good a couple of nights ago. I rented a movie on Apple TV. I think it was like $6.99 to rent. It was a documentary about Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Oh. It's called Brian Wilson Long Promised Road. And it premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. And recently, when the Academy Awards announced the movies that were eligible to be nominated for Best Documentary, it made the cut. So we could see a possible Oscar nomination for it. And basically what it is, it's a 90-minute film where a journalist from Rolling Stone named Jason Fine accompanies Brian Wilson as he travels around California to where he grew up, where his siblings lived when they got older, where the Beach Boys shot the cover of one of their first albums. And um, he tells stories related to that. And if you know about Brian Wilson, he suffers from mental illness. He's very open about that. Uh, But he, uh, I, I found the... He's very, he's very upfront with that. And you really, he doesn't say much, but you do seem to get an insight into his, his mind and his perspective on music. And he really is a genius. I mean, it's a different level in terms of what he can put together in his mind. Someone described him as being like, when it compared to the Beatles, you know, Lennon and McCartney or Harrison in terms of songwriting with the producer skills of George Martin all in one, which is really true. And it was very emotional, very emotional movie, but very, very well done. So that that's that's the stuff we love recommendation. That's a strong one. There are some uh, I don't know if it's if it was COVID. It must have been. I feel like there's more movies that are starting to come out now. Yes. Uh, and I know a lot of movies just got released to streaming and maybe they didn't get quite the advertising budget because of that. Uh, but I've seen more movie commercials and more references to movie reviews over the last two weeks yes. than I feel like I have in the last six months. And one of those movies that's coming out looks like it's a Kurt Warner documentary. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I forgot the name of it now. It's like the, the something underdog. Okay. Um, but um, it looks like it's you know it's his story, uh, which is a great story if you don't know anything about the NFL and you know about Kurt Warner. I mean, he went from bagging groceries to Super Bowl champion in the same year which is just amazing. It's not going to happen to us. 
No, no, probably not. I think but for podcasters, NFL, the Super Bowl champions. I think I think my NFL days have passed me. Uh, those 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 dreams died several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I still hold out hope to be a relief pitcher for the Yankees, but that uh, can the happen. NFL days are over. That, I'm that left-handed. I I always have a chance because I'm left-handed. That is true. That is that's for for sure. Uh, but there are a lot of things to watch. I feel overwhelmed by the abundance of things on TV and movies. It's. Have you heard of this movie coming out? I think it comes out this weekend called Don't Look Up. Yes, on Netflix with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill and uh, and eighty five thousand other people. Yeah. Yes, I'll be uh, I'll be watching that. So I I described the premise to my wife, and she looked at me like I had three heads and said it sounded like the stupidest movie in the history of the world, um, because the way. It, I originally heard it and I haven't seen a preview for it, but the way I heard the description of it, basically two of the stars, which I think is Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio are NASA workers slash astronauts. And they report to president Meryl Streep that these asteroids are going to hit the earth. Right. And she doesn't believe them. And if you describe that as the premise of the movie, yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but as you find out that Jonah Hill and Ariana Grande and all these other people are in this movie, and it's really more of a political take on like climate change and, and well-being of the world and people maybe not paying attention to the warnings and things like that, I can see how it's going to materialize. And it's a dark comedy from what I understand. So well, I think it has a lot of promise to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I apparently did no justification in trying to sell it with a description. No, but it's supposed to be, from what I understand, kind of like an over-the-top farce. It's supposed to be ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and it probably premieres looking at the time in a little less than an hour from now. So <laughs> by the way, that's a reflection of the crazy, uh, not crazy, but the, the fact that we live in a new age of entertainment. Premieres in our living rooms in an hour. Yeah, it'll be out in, in, in one hour. Uh, the, the funny story I heard about that was that uh, when they were getting together on set, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio um, said to Jennifer Lawrence as Meryl Streep walked in the room, the goat is here. And oh, right, she had right. A very, I heard about this. Yeah, she had a very negative reaction. Thought they were calling her an old goat. <laughs> right. <laughs> they had to explain, explain to her she's the greatest of all time. And, right. and then she was okay with that term. <laughs> right. Meryl Streep. Yeah, she, well, I'll be watching that movie. I'll get around to it. Also premiering, I think, an hour from now on Amazon is the uh, movie about Lucia Ball and Desi Arnaz with Nicole Kimmon. Yes, I heard that was coming out as well. Aaron Sorkin um, wrote the script on that. I, I, I can't say it without sounding negative. I'm not a Lucille Ball person. Okay. I, it's not that I don't find her funny. I never got into the show. Uh, my wife is actually a pretty big fan, so uh, I, we may end up watching both of those. We'll, we will sure. see, but... Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't have a problem with Lucille Ball. I, the bits I've seen of her are funny, but I, I probably could appreciate it more if I knew more of her material and, and yeah. I'd watch her show. There's just so much to, like I said a moment ago, so much to watch. It really, every weekend is just stuff coming out. It's really tough to stay paced with, especially when you watch as much sports yeah. as we do. Well, that's my big problem between, uh, you know, keeping up on this fine podcast and, and watching right. sports, which I'm actually doing both at the same time right now. Uh, it's hard to fit in all the, all the, um, all the TV shows that I'd like to watch. Yeah. Uh, but circling back, uh, Nicole Kidman, are you a yeah. Nicole Kidman fan? Uh, I am a Nicole Kidman fan. I, I feel like she can be divisive. That some people like her and some people don't. Yeah. I think she's a very high quality actress. I don't think I would ever go to see a movie just because she's in it. There's very few people that would fall into that category. Honestly. Um, but I think she's a very good actress. Is Josh Gad in that category for you? 
No, I, on, I honestly, in terms of people that I would go to see in a movie that they're in, yeah, I'm a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan. I think he's a fantastic actor. I don't even know. I don't think he would fall into that category necessarily. I think he has gotten to the point where he's not in the movie unless it's going to be a, a sort of high stakes quality movie. Right. And that's not to say that he's the reason it's high stakes and quality. It's just that those two things tend to come together quite a bit. He yes. doesn't. There's other actors that you see that are, in, you know, Kevin Bacon is in every movie. Uh, well, used to be at least. So he's not that guy. He he will do select movies. I'm not. I'm not saying I've loved everything he's done, but he has done some really, really high quality great movies. Right. Yeah, Leonardo. Even if you don't end up liking a movie he's in, you know that if he's in something, it's a movie that's worthy of discussion. It's a movie yep. of significance. And when you I'd look at some of that. the films he's been in recently, I mean, all his work with Martin Scorsese. And uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I thought was fantastic. Films like that. He's not just going yeah. to appear in something just to be in something. I'll tell you, two actors that pro- maybe the closest I can get to qualifying for uh, that, that category of I'll go see it because it's their movie. Uh, Steve Martin, previously Great actor, Steve sure. Martin, and the late Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would go and see any. I, I like the movie Death to Smoochie. I mean, it's anything that Robin Williams touched was brilliant to me. A real genius and very missed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Dean, before we uh, wrap up, I just one more question for you, which is tell me about something related to music that you've noticed recently. Something related to music that I've noticed recently. Right, like have you seen uh, anything appear on a radio that surprised you or on a streaming service that surprised you and so forth? Well, <laughs> other than the fact that I dropped the streaming service from my car, um, you know what you know and maybe this is is maybe where you're, i'm not i feel like maybe you're going somewhere with this that i'm supposed to pick up on it. no no sure. no i just like i'm, I'm not sure i'm picking people, it up quickly no, enough all, but, I'm, uh, all i'm saying is like i'm always curious what people well, are listening to or you know had something yeah so i yeah so i'll give you a, a funny anecdote uh i i do have or well, did have sirius xm in my car up until this week and i tend to listen a lot to the 90s and 2000s channel and mm-hmm. now they have one called Mosaic, which kind of blends the two. Yes. Um, and then I listen a lot to the alternative music. So, you know, going by numbers like Channel 22, which is the Pearl Jam Channel, 34, which is Lithium. Yep. Um, and then, of course, I listen to the sports ones. Uh, but my son has picked up on a lot of that music, even yeah. though he's 11. And so he gets very excited when, like, the Chili Peppers come on the radio. Um, but what I have done recently, and this goes back into early November, we went to a wedding up in uh, Saratoga, New York. And um, I was listening to Christmas carols the whole way up. Yeah. And uh, I had a friend of Eli's in the car. And she's, she was rolling her eyes at me. She's like, why are we doing Christmas carols in early November? And I'm like, I, I can't get enough. Uh, but what I have found answering your question is I feel like there are more attempts at either redoing Christmas carols or trying to create your own. Mm. And if you think back, like, what's the last created Christmas, Christmas carol that's really stuck? I think it's Mariah Carey. And when, let me ask you Christmas this question. Too. When you use the term Christmas carol, do you really mean any Christmas song? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's not a carol. Fair, fair point. That's a pop song. Um, but song that will be played during this season, right? I mean, 
we had some local ones and i think some of them are, are beyond local you know you get the, the, the parody songs and things like that and you know there was there was a while there where Don, dominic the donkey was all over the radio everywhere sure um that doesn't get played anymore it seems like the i uh, hate that song <laughs> yeah the, 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 the 12 things of christmas that are pain to me that doesn't sure. seem to get play anymore uh, but the Mariah Carey pop song, I think, is the last one I can think of that is still yes. well in rotation. And and you know, I, I like to anytime you say the Beatles, I feel like I have to say Taylor Swift as many times as you say Beatles. So uh, I did hear a Christmas Carol from her that hit the radio, uh, which I don't think is new, but it's the first time I've heard it. Um, and I couldn't tell you the name. Well, first, let's respond to the Mariah Carey comment. I will respond to that by saying you're absolutely right. That's the last Christmas song I could think of that everyone of all ages will know that song. When it comes on the radio, it's this Chris. It's a Christmas standard yeah. that I think stands. Maybe that's up a good with, way to phrase it. Yeah, Christmas yeah, standard. A true yeah. Christmas standard. It, it, it's not Bing Crosby White Christmas, but I mean, it's it, it for a modern day song. It's getting that level of play. I agree. If you were to put together a playlist of essential Christmas songs, absolutely, all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey would be on that playlist. Now, there's been other songs that have come out christmas songs that get airplay on stations like hallmark on sirius xm but they're just not at that level um now taylor swift turning the subject to (laughs) the greatest of all time um years ago released a five song ep of christmas songs okay she did covers of last christmas santa baby silent night there's one original i think and Something else I'm missing on there. I forget which one. But anyhow, maybe there are two originals on there. I saw something on Twitter. I don't know if it's, if it's accurate. That as of the other day, her Christmas collection was her number one streamed album slash EP of songs, which actually makes sense because you're right in the heart of the Christmas season. Yeah, I can but, see that being the current high, you know, high streamer. Now, last year, Taylor released a Christmas song called Christmas Tree Farm. Which that's, I the one, yeah, to- that's the one. I that's, love that's, it. I had heard, not heard it before. I heard it today for the first time. It's a very good Christmas song. I don't think it's a standard like Mariah Carey, all you need, all I want for Christmas is you, but it's a, to me, a really great song. And what she did just a couple of weeks ago as an Amazon music exclusive, although you don't need to pay full price to get it. You could just be a prime member and have access to it. She released a version of Christmas tree farm recorded at Abbey road studios, home of the Beatles, uh, featuring an orchestra. So there's no, from what I can oh, tell, nice. no drums, no guitar. And I think it's beautiful. I actually like it more than the original. So uh, at Stuff We Love Podcast, we love Beatles and we love the music of Taylor Swift. And, and given the time of night we're recording, I won't be playing that as soon as we hang up, but I will be playing that tomorrow on uh, on Amazon Prime. I love it. it. I think it's a great, great version. Um, and keep on listening to the Christmas music. It brings me joy. Yeah, I, I think there's been some uh, some songs that uh, have been disparaged over the years. You know, I think the Wham uh, last Christmas. I like that Christmas song. I love that song. Never gets old. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I do never need to hear Santa Baby ever again. Particularly Madonna's version. <laughs> I agree with that 100%. Um, tell you something interesting I heard. I think I could vouch for its accuracy, although listeners may want to double check. The song by Darlene Love, A Baby Please Come Home for Christmas, right? That's I had heard she was 18 years old when she recorded that song. And to me, that's one of the most amazing vocal performances I've ever heard on any track. So if that's true, 
or at least pretend in your mind it's true so that when you listen to it the next time, you'll be even more impressed with the track. Yeah, kudos to her. That, that's fantastic. Uh, do, you, do you have any, uh, any, and I'll just use the term holiday music in case there's uh, other celebrations of music that you put in during this season sure. that you actually play at home? Uh, or do you just kind of go with like, hey, Hallmark Channel or Pop, Pop Christmas Time and see what's streaming and, and pick that up? I actually do both. I'll put on random playlists that I find on Spotify or Apple Music, for example, and see what song comes on. Uh, but I also have put together playlists of my own that uh, highlight songs. And for me, you know, I love the classic Christmas songs like the Christmas song with Nat, by Nat King Cole, Judy Garland, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I love those. And then I'm always discovering new Christmas songs or v- versions of existing Christmas songs yeah. that I never knew were out there. So to give you an example, uh, the other day I was listening to maybe it was Spotify and I heard a version of it's the most wonderful time of the year. And the singer is Stevie Mackey. That's the guy's name. Never heard this before. It was actually a duet with Jennifer Lopez. Um, okay. And apparently Stevie Mackey is a vocal trainer when you, would, and then knowing that he's a, knowing he's a vocal coach, it makes complete sense when you listen to the rest of yeah. the, from the album. It's like perfect voice. Nice. Yeah. No, we, we will typically do the, the playlist or just the random channel on XM or on Amazon, but I do play, and this goes back to when I had it on CD, uh, mm-hmm. Jules Christmas album. Right. I you mentioned, mentioned you're a Jewel fan. I'm a Jewel fan. Yes. Uh, and that's where the song, if you remember the song Hands that she came out with, that's actually on her Christmas album. These uh, hands are small, I know. Yes, that's on her Christmas album. So it doesn't really fit well with the rest of the Christmas music, but sure. it's a really good version of a lot of Christmas standards. So tonight, I think let's take a moment as we we'll go to wrap up because I think this is the perfect place. Tonight on the Stuff We Love podcast, we've talked about. Disney Springs, Epcot, Universal Hotels, food, boats, waves on the water, video games, holiday music, Taylor Swift's Christmas EP, and I sung the song Hands by Jewel. <laughs> I mean, if this, doesn't, if this doesn't qualify for a podcast award, uh, the awards are rigged. And I agree with that. And also there was the inevitable reference to SNK baseball, <laughs> baseball stars. <laughs> Which uh, you should now work in a Nintendo or Super Nintendo game into every episode. <laughs> That's true. Uh, going forward, this, this might be your new shtick. For any of our listeners, if someone asks you why you listen to the Stuff We Love podcast, all you got to do is say, well, they talk about Jewel and Blades of Steel. It's, it's, it's true. It's true. Great I mean, going back to the Howard Stern reference, right. I just want to see what he's going to say next. Exactly. Exactly. Blades of Steel is a great video game, by the way. That's Remember Fight? Great game. Um, we used to play a lot of uh, NHL 93. NHL 93. 93. 93 or 94? 94 is considered a classic. Yeah, it must have been 94 then. Uh, see, I'm, I'm a little older than you, so that was college years for me. Okay. We played a lot of NHL 94 in college. Right. And wow. NBA Live 95. That, that was the version of basketball that we played. Sure. EA Sports is bringing back a college football game, I heard. Oh, nice. Uh, That's pretty cool. The, the last version of that I had was 06. Okay. And uh, because I'm in Connecticut and because whenever you play those games, you can always play a season and then build a dynasty and all that. Right. Like if you jump into that game and you start playing as Alabama or Notre Dame or whatever, you just steamroll. Right. So being in Connecticut, I, I decided to play as UConn, who has sure. arguably the worst Division One football ever. 
uh, I could never get the passing down in that game. Right. So I would just run the ball every down and inevitably we'd get to the all American ceremony and I'd have all the offensive linemen in my running back run the all American team. <laughs> and my, my quarterback had Mac Jones like statistics from this past week, you know, two right. for three in the game. <laughs> that's amazing too. That, that, that statistic is just out of this world, but Dean, before I tell our listeners where they can find the Stuff We Love podcast, tell our listeners where they can find you on social media hey, and, uh, and Adventures at the Travel and Buttered Bacon. you got a lot to talk about. Yeah, you know, I, I have uh, stayed away from things like LinkedIn and Facebook. And I do have Instagram, but I couldn't even tell you the name. So probably the best place to find me is on Twitter. I am at CT underscore Mickey underscore man. You could find our podcast, Butter and Bacon, at Butter and Bacon on twitter or if you're looking for the uh the travel agency it's at aiot travel for adventure is out there travel yep. or just email me dean at adventure is out there travel.com and i love uh, it we will we will take care of all your vacation needs but uh certainly do a lot of specializing in disney disney cruise line and universal trips yep how many people do you have that book combo trips does that happen often more often nowadays um, I would say we still skew very strongly to straight Disney trips. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I'll get the Disney person who says, Hey, I'm going to go to universal this summer instead. And we put that together. Right. Um, I'd say combo trip. I probably book more, uh, land sea Disney, right. uh, Walt Disney world, Disney cruise line. than I do like Walt Disney world, universal combo. Understood. Well, our listeners can find the stuff we love podcast on Twitter at stuff. We love pod Instagram at stuff. We love podcast. Our website is stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com. Our email is stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and leave us those good reviews, which makes it easier for others to find the podcast. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel and Facebook page and all that good stuff. But Dean, always great to be with you, my friend. It was an honor and a privilege, and uh, I had a lot of fun, Scott. Thanks for having me back on the show. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh if I don't, well, I was going to say, if I don't talk to you, have a great holiday, but probably talk to you. You don't text me tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, have, a, have a great, great uh, Thursday night, Dean. <laughs> hey, you know, I'll you. talk to you in about nine hours. <laughs> yeah, we got a movie premiere of uh, Don't Look Up by <laughs> in 40 minutes. So, uh, you, you know, know. The, the game has six minutes to go, and uh, I probably won't stay up for the movie premiere. So that'll be right. a weekend event. <laughs> and with that, we'll go around the virtual table one more time. I am Scott. And I am Dean. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.